You're listening to another football episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns with Banker Bill. Ryan, you should get off the internet. And your guy, Bully Rye. I think it's a brilliant idea. That's right, everybody. It's another football episode of Tap Outs and Touchdowns. It's your guy, Bully Rye. And boy, howdy, we have a lot of football talk for you here today. Once again, apologies for not having a wrestling show this week. We will have one next week. I guarantee it. It has been a very uh, busy couple of weeks, and and therefore, um, just haven't been able to get to it. Last week, I wasn't feeling well, and this week uh, is, is just a, a been a really busy one. So, without further ado, because we have a lot to get into today, the show may run long, so uh, just a quick heads up there. We've got to invite back the co-host of our football shows, Banker Bill. Bill, how's it going today, bud? What's happening, man? Lots to talk about. Let's just go. Let's just go. Yeah, let's just get right into it. We're going to start off the show once again with NFL talk. Um, it is NFL free agency time in the NFL. We are less than a month away from the NFL draft, but obviously before draft season, we get free agency season. There have been a lot of moves, and I don't know where to start. Um, Bill, I'm going to open it up to you. Is there anywhere you think we should start with free agency talk? Like, Obviously, we've been talking about one person for the last few weeks, but I think there's, I mean, there's just too much. I don't know exactly where to start from. Uh, I think we'll start at the, with the very first one, and that would be probably the one that fell off the table the quickest was Derek Carr. I think him yeah. going to the Saints. We talked about it a little bit last week, but the Saints haven't stopped, man. They continue to make moves. In fact, one that happened today. Uh, yeah, that one just happened recently. Just happened. It kinda, yeah, it just, um, it's it sort of, I'd say near and dear to my heart. It hurts my heart. I figured I it would. I was leaving it for you. Yeah, listen, so I guess we should mention, we waited an extra day to record so we can be more up to date. And I'm glad we did because this happened, we're recording Wednesday night. And um, this happened within the last 30 minutes. Jamal Williams, a former running back for the Detroit Lions, has signed a contract with the New Orleans Saints to meet Derek Carr. Um, yeah, listen, the reason he signed with the Saints was because the Lions went and signed David Montgomery from the Chicago Bears. So um, the, some Detroit made some big moves in their secondary because that's where they struggled with the most this year. They signed three defensive backs um, in, in free agency. One came from the, the Steelers, and of course I'm drawing blanks on names right now, um, but Detroit... Cam, Cam Sutton. Cam Sutton, there you go. Um, they're uh, they're trying to bulk up their secondary. Um, we talked about Derek Carr being the first domino to fall. Uh, the second domino to fall wasn't necessarily free agent talk. It was a trade. And probably the biggest trade to kick off this, this postseason free agency talk. And that, was, that, that belongs to your Miami Dolphins, Bill. That's right. Huge, huge trade. Jalen Ramsey, six-time Pro Bowler, All-Pro. 19 career interceptions, 92 passes defense. Go into Miami for a bag of balls. Yeah, for <laughs> I mean, a for really a, it was for a pack there. of gum. <laughs> it was a, a third round draft pick and tight end Hunter Long. And if you don't know who Hunter Long is, he actually led the NCAA in reception yards the year that uh, what was the Florida Gator? I, why did I forget his name? It's terrible. Uh, plays for the Falcons. The year that he came out in the draft and was the the talk of the town 
Hunter Kyle Long Pitts. actually Kyle Pitts. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, he actually led Hunter Long led the NCAA in receptions at Boston College that season, but did nothing once he got to the pros. So yes, Jalen Ramsey going to the Miami Dolphins and going to be paired with Xavier and Howard. That is terrifying for opposing quarterbacks. It's going to be fun, man. It, it's going to be real fun in Miami. I, I'm I'm excited about that. But we kept seeing more and more moves. The one that I think is crazy, Daniel Jones gets picked up by his hometown team. Not hometown, but his home team. And he sticks with the Giants for $160 million over four years. Well, you mentioned you mentioned Daniel Jones and the Giants. Let's go there because the next big splash trade that took place in this free agent period was that of the New York Giants acquiring Darren Waller, the tight end from the Raiders, for a third-round pick. I think it was the third-round pick that they had acquired from the Kansas City Chiefs which uh, in that trade for Kadarius Toney. So they essentially traded Kadarius Toney for Darren Waller. Um, what do you think Darren Waller is going to do for that offense in New York? They need more receivers. They're, it's not just Darren Waller. They, yeah. they had a whole bunch of free agent wide receivers this season and they didn't really get any of them back right as we you know as we record this so there's a lot more that's needed up there in new york i mean they they took a first round draft pick on Kadarius tony two years ago then traded him away to the chiefs and he was pretty decent you know towards the end of the season last year for the chiefs they just don't have receivers up there and i I think we saw what receivers do for offenses you saw what happened and we go back to miami look what tyreek hill did for that offense last season you know not just mike mcdaniel but tyreek opening things up down there and I, I think you just need to get more stuff for Daniel Jones. I don't think Waller is all that exciting. You also have Mike Kosicki out there that could have been a a possible free agent signing instead of Waller. And I, how about this, Ryan? How about watch for Kosicki to possibly go out to Vegas? We we think about that. Replace that Waller one. with a free agent. Yeah, I mean, listen, right? He was the third ranked free agent tight end on the market this this off season. It's still uh, out there. Yep, and he's still out there. The uh, I believe the number one and number two have already been signed. Um, it's going to take me a minute to find out who it is. I know who the number two was because you mentioned it. Yeah, well, you'll say Dalton Schultz was number number one. He's still out there. Actually, Evan then, Ingram was number one. Got tagged. Yeah, and then so, Schultz. Schultz is still out there currently. Yeah, um, you mentioned receiving. The, the Giants need receiving help. Um, the Carolina Panthers needed some receiver help. They they need help everywhere on the on the field. <laughs> and then they traded um, run away. <laughs> yeah, so they, they trade DJ Moore away. We talked about this last week on the show. Um, or did we? Maybe it happened afterwards. Yeah, the, the it Panthers, happened afterwards, yeah. So Okay, so let's talk about that. I can't believe we haven't talked about that on the show yet. The Carolina Panthers made a trade last the end of last week for the number one overall p- uh, pick in the NFL draft from the Chicago Bears. Traded away two first-rounders, two second-rounders, and wide receiver DJ Moore. So if you go back to last season – um, they are without Sam Darnold. I believe Sam Darnold signed a contract. Uh, of course, I'm going to draw a blank now. Sam Darnold is gone. He signed a contract elsewhere. Baker Mayfield signed a contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers today. Um, I don't think there's any P.J. Walker anymore. So you've got the rookie, or I say the second-year player now, out of Ole Miss. Um, and so they're they're probably going to be drafting a quarterback. That's why they moved up. Cor- Corral. Um, Matt yeah, Corral. Matt Corral. Thank you. So – um, last season, uh, all the quarterbacks are gone. They traded away Christian McCaffrey. So there's your running back. The number one receiving target is gone. So the Panthers are going to have to go make some moves. I mentioned that because Adam Thielen is going to be a highly thought out, high, highly sought out wide receiver. Maybe, maybe he can wind up with the Giants. Um, but he met with the Carolina Panthers today, or at least this week. Um, he has not been signed as of yet. 
But the Panthers made a couple of big splashes today, starting off with my homer pick in my guy Hayden Hurst uh, signs a, I believe it was a three-year contract, um, I believe $8 million guaranteed to go to Carolina. So starting off the uh, the rebuild here with a solid tight end that he was the number two rated, uh, I say number number two after Evan Ingram had been uh, tagged. Hayden Hurst was the number two rated tight end in free agency, just above Mike Gusecki and just depends below Dalton look, Schultz. Right? It actually depends on where you look. I've, I've seen both of them kind of rated the same, but on the list that I'm looking at, they had Gusecki higher. Well, so, nevertheless, Hayden Hurst is a good big tight end out there. Yeah, that's a big pickup for Carolina for sure. Hayden Hurst had one fewer touchdown catch last year uh, than the entire tight end core in Carolina combined. Um, I believe he had more <laughs> receiving yards. Yeah, that's that that's a that's a, a big. He had two touchdowns last year. The Panthers tight end core had three. I believe the yardage was very similar. He might have out out received like as far as yards go. The Carolina Panthers uh, receiving core uh, tight end core. But the Panthers, I mentioned, they're needing a quarterback. They're going to get that in the draft. They haven't had a tight end since Greg Olson. Now they've got Hayden Hurst. They need some. They need some receiving help. They're they're looking at Adam Thielen. We don't know what's going to happen there. Um, but they also need a running back help. I mean, they did okay last year after the loss of Christian McCaffrey, but they went out and made a big splash uh, today, uh, signing Miles Sanders to a four-year contract. Uh, I have the figures in front of me. If you give me one second. Um, four years, of course, I don't have it in front of me. I got you. There you I go. Help me out they, here. That they haven't given money yet, I don't believe. They yeah. gave the one for Williams. For yeah, Jamal Williams, three years yes. for 12 million. But the so, money hasn't been reported yet on Sanders' deal. Yeah, so Miles Sanders now joins that that rebuild core for the Carolina Panthers. He had his best season, arguably, in, in his NFL career last season. Bill, you were telling me off the area at 1,200 yards rushing last season. I believe so. I believe that was his uh, his statistics there in Philadelphia. He had a really good season. My concern with Miles Sanders is that I don't outside of maybe last season, I don't think he's played a full year in the NFL. And I'm, quite frankly, I think he missed time last season, despite having 12 uh, 1,200 yards. Um, but you know, listen, you got to start somewhere, and you could you could do worse. Then Miles Sanders in free agency. I've, I've got you on that one too, Ryan. He uh, he did play a regular uh, his full first full season in the league as a rookie in 2019. He did make all 16 games. The next two seasons he made 12 each. Yep. And then last season played the entire 17. And yes, it was his best year. However, what's nice about Miles Sanders' career average of five yards per carry, he just wasn't given the ball enough to put the huge statistics up in the games that he did play. He started every game he played except for the, a, a few in his rookie season and one in his second year. But yeah, he just wasn't given the ball enough. That's partially because of injuries, but also was only getting the ball like 12, 15 times a game. Last season, they finally gave it to him a bunch, 4.9 yards per carry, 1,269 yards rushing at 11 touchdowns. He also added 20, uh, 20 receptions for 78 yards. So it's a pretty big sign, man. It's pretty nice. Those are pretty nice stats from a running back, and that, I think that really helps. I mean, Carolina's get, getting out there right now. They're they're, and like you said, they don't have a, they don't know who they're picking number one overall. They haven't decided on the quarterback that they they said this by the way. They wanted 50 days to make that decision. They just wanted to make sure they got ahead of everybody else. They don't even know well, who they're going to pick at number one. That that I mean, there's even rumors out there that they're still contemplating trading back again. They just wanted to be in the driver's seat. Because if the quarterback they want, they can get it for. 
they can get some of that draft capital back and trade back down in the draft and still get the guy they want. If they're not after Bryce Young, if they're not after CJ Stroud, even if they're not after Anthony Richardson, if they want Will Levis, they can trade back in the draft um, with that number one spot. So it'll be interesting to see how, how they go about it. I feel like this is going to be the most ADHD show that we've ever done because we're bouncing it's around like crazy here. So I, I mentioned Miles. <laughs> we've, we've already talked about Miles Sanders getting getting signed by Carolina. That's partially in uh, due to the fact that Philadelphia went out and signed Rashad Penny, I believe, yesterday. Uh, Bill, he's obviously – I don't think he's played a full season uh, in quite some time. He sat behind Chris Carson on that depth chart in Seattle. He had a chance to be the number one back this year. I said preseason. I said on this show that he would go down and Kenneth Walker III would take over that job. And it is an emphatic answer that uh, that I was I was dead on with it. Because um, now you see uh, not only is, is Kenneth Walker's job, but now Rashad Penny isn't there. Is Rashad Penny an upgrade from Miles Sanders? Probably not because of the injury concerns. He can't stay healthy. But his statistics beyond that are gaudy. He was the best running back over the last six weeks of the season in 2021. He actually had the most yards. His his yards per carry in 2021, Ryan, and you ready for this? Yeah. 6.3. That's over 119 carries, 749 yards, and six touchdowns. 6.3. That's, that's wild. That's ridiculous. Those are college last numbers. Season, yeah. Last season, 57 carries, 346 yards, only played in five games, gets, the inju- gets an injury again. He's never played more than 14 games and only ran 85 times in that season. That was his rookie season. He just He's going to be injured. Is he an upgrade when he's healthy? Yeah, probably. He's actually really, really good when he's healthy, but he's going to get hurt. The guy the guy hasn't – it's been in the league five years. He's never played more than – I mean, it really it hasn't played more than six games. Yeah. Um, listen, we're sticking with the running back talk, and we have a stick inside this division. Uh, we talked about Rashad Penny you know, having injury concerns. I had concerns about Miles Sanders. But there's another guy that was having some sort of wear down injury concerns, and he is now looking for a new team. And that is, of course, the big news that the Dallas Cowboys plan to release Ezekiel Elliott, uh, number three in rushing yards in Dallas Cowboys history behind only Hall of Famers, uh, Tony Dorsett and um, Emmett Smith. Uh, Bill, where do you see where do you see uh, Zeke going here? I mean, I, I said that Carolina could have done worse than Miles Sanders. I feel like Zeke is that guy now. Could we see Zeke somewhere like Tampa Bay? Like, where, where do you see Zeke winding up? I mean, who wants a geriatric running back? Raise your hand. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, I, mean, just, that's I know what the Dolphins is. don't. The Dolphins have signed three running backs in this, in, four. In this free agency. All four of them. All four of the running backs have come back and signed in free agency. Salvin Ahmed, Raheem Mostert, Jeff Wilson, yeah. and Miles Gaskin of all are all back under contract after all being free agents. Yeah, uh, I'll so tell you what. Wild. So Ezekiel's not going there, but the reality is, Ryan. I think we talked about it. He's worn down every year. We could you can see it in his statistics. It's pretty much documented. He ran, didn't run for a thousand yards this season, but ran two hundred thirty-one times, three point eight yards per carry. I mean, he had good, really good offensive lines early in his career, and he feasted off of that. Had some really nice statistics, but since they've gotten a little bit worse on the off in the offensive line, he's averaging about four yards per carry over the last three seasons. That's not very good. You know where I could see somebody taking a chance on him is Kansas City. I mean, I know they've got Isaiah Pacheco who broke out last season. That's possible. Uh, but we as, seen- as a thumper, don't run him all yeah. the time. We've seen Clyde Edwards-Alaire uh, sort of fizzle out there. Like, he was drafted uh, top in the first round 
because they expected big things out of him. He hasn't been able to stay, stay healthy or be effective. The Eagles have tried out guys like um, Jarek McKinnon. Oh, I'm sorry, the Eagles. The Chiefs have, have, have tried out guys like Jarek McKinnon. Um, they've tried out uh, LaShawn McCoy. They've tried out some veteran running backs in that system. And I think it it gives Zeke a chance to maybe compete for maybe a number two or maybe even take the job from Isaiah Pacheco. Um, if, if, it all, if it all had to do with an offensive line, um, I think that uh, I think he's got a shot here uh, in Kansas City if if Kansas City is interested in him. Now going back here, I did find the deal for Hayden Hurst: three years, twenty one point seven five million, thirteen million fully guaranteed at signing. Uh, so big money there for the tight end now in Carolina. Um, Bill, I just saw something else here: the Lions took a defensive back from from the Detroit Lions and Deshaun Elliott. Um, more defensive backfield help. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. More defensive backfield help for Miami. Um, I know nothing know, about him. You could probably tell me something, but I know that the Lions struggled in the defensive backfield last season, so it doesn't get me excited. I just feel like it's another warm body. I mean, listen, there's, I, I it's it's really hard to say that you could do worse. Um, but <laughs> I mean, he's he's an he's an average to above average defensive back. Like sure. he's not going to be a deterrent. Um, another another big signing today, Juju Smith-Schuster, a three-year deal worth $33 million to the New England Patriots. Uh, I guess if he can't catch passes from Ben Roethlisberger or Patrick Mahomes, maybe he can catch passes from Mac Jones. Is that what his thought process is here? Did you know, and this one actually rocked my world a little bit today when I looked it up. Did you know Juju Smith-Schuster... Uh, I want to get this correct. Let me, let me let me find him really quick. Did you? Yeah, I was right. Okay. Did you know he's only twenty six years old? Yes, he's very very young. It, that I went. What? It feels like he's been in this in the league for a decade. It does. Because I mean, he played with Ben Roethlisberger. Like he was a rookie. Yes. Like that yeah. feels like it was so long ago. He's only twenty six years old. So in in NFL speak, he's still got multiple years left on those legs. And I hate that he signed with the Patriots because my team has to play them twice a year. Listen, from what he's put out the last couple of years, I wouldn't be too worried. Yeah, he had he's a good, decent – I think he's a good receiver. I don't know why he didn't really – I mean, I think he was injured a bit last year. Yeah. I don't really know why. I, I think that that I think that offense in Kansas City is more Travis Kelsey-centric than we really give it credit. Absolutely. So I think Tyreek was stealing you know, catches away from – Kelsey because he's explosive and terrifying for defenses. But other than that, I think that it was always Travis Kelsey centric. And I just think that Kelsey's going to put a big shadow on any wide receiver that plays there. Yeah. Um, listen, that's it's this is why you if you don't love football, then I like I don't know what else to get you interested. This is this is this is a ton oh, of really so good stuff. Yeah. So much stuff. Um going back here, let's let's go back to the Cowboys for a minute here because we mentioned Zeke is gone. Um, they also made a big splash trade and didn't have to give give up much. Uh, former multi-time Pro Bowler and former Gamecock, because you know I'm going to homer out with this, Stephon Gilmore traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, apparently, the year he was with Carolina, um, he had some knee issues, had that cleaned up, and that's why he had a decent year with the Colts last season. Um, not to mention, we're, we're still talking about the Dallas Cowboys now that Zeke is gone. As long as Tony Pollard can come back healthy, that is his show here at running back. Um, what do you expect Dallas to do in the draft now? I mean, it looks like they've shored up some space in the defensive backfield. Now they're, they're, they're 
obviously down to the, their one main running back now, but where does Dallas go with the draft going forward? Uh, I mean, are you actually going to get Pollard back? I, I mean, they franchise tagged him. I know, but is he going to be ready to go beginning of the season? I mean, that's, that's a fair point. Cause he did get hurt early. Um, yeah. Or no, I mean, he didn't get hurt early. He got hurt late in the season. Right. So, yeah. so it's going to be, it's going to be an issue getting him back. Um, let's see Dallas Cowboys. What would they need? What they, they've, they've filled their need at corner, which is kind of a thing that they had an issue with other than Diggs. Um, let's the do they need wide receiver help? I don't think they I have mean, a whole lot. I mean, a, not named CD lamb. What do they have there? Michael Gallup came back uh, early last season, but it wasn't, I mean, I don't know why people, people harp on Michael Gallup. I don't, I don't see, I, I didn't get the hype. I don't understand why people thought he was amazing. He was great when they had Amari Cooper because he obviously had defenders focused on Amari Cooper. Then you bring CD Lamb in, but I just, I don't, I don't know. Like maybe the stats were there and I just didn't see it. I just, I don't know. I don't, I didn't follow the hype, but you've got CD Lamb. Now you're without Dalton Schultz unless they go and try to sign him again. Um, I can't think of their backup tight end's name, but he's, he's decent um, that he's played in time uh, right. when Schultz has missed. Um, but I think Schultz was the guy that D- Dak Prescott was looking for on a consistent basis, sort of like how Tony Romo used to look for Jason Whitney. So I think if anything, the Cowboys are going to be looking for a tight end here in this in, the, in this uh, in this draft uh, this this draft season, if you will. Schultz isn't gone gone yet. Yeah. So we'll wait for that. But yeah, I mean, it, you're right. If you need to replace your starting starting tight end and you don't have a replacement ready to go, yeah, that's probably. That's probably going to be a need heading into the draft. They're they're kind of filling all their other needs. Van Der Esch re-signed. They traded for a corner. Those those are the Cowboys' big needs on defense, and I think it's just receiving help after that. Yeah, um, it'll be interesting because because of the eleven starters for Philadelphia, if, we, if we're talking about this division, we keep going back and forth, or I keep going back and forth. Four of their defensive starters will not be back in Philadelphia as Darius Slay. Um, is is being uh, slated to be released. Um, so more defensive back help that that more defensive backfield help that Philadelphia is going to need. But it looks like it, it feels like Dallas is sort of closing that gap now with all that stuff going on. I'm trying to find the signings made by San Francisco because they have just bulked up their already best defensive line. Yes, they did. Um, with with more guys today. They signed a former first-round uh, player out of Clemson. Um, I can, I can and, help you a little bit here. Yes, please help me here. Uh, Javon Hargrave on my on the CBS Sportsline board was named the number three overall free agent. Went to San Francisco from the Eagles. Yep. Four years, eighty-four million dollars. One of those four uh, starters that left. Right, and and a big. I mean that that is almost a rich get richer situation. Yep, uh, which is kind of frustrating. Uh, let me see if I can do it by Cleveland Farrell was the guy that I was thinking about. He was a former oh, first round draft pick Clemson. by the yeah, by the uh, Raiders signed with with the 49ers who already have Javon Kinlaw, uh, Nick Bosa. Um, I mean, just the rich get richer when it comes to defense. Yeah, yeah you know, as long as they can get a decent quarterback, uh, you know, with I mean Trey Lance. Well, they have you know, one. They signed back. Sam Darnold. Ryan, let's go. That's that's this. That's where Sam Darnold went. So yeah, you you got Trey Lance coming off injury. You've got uh, Brock, Brock Purdy coming Purdy, off yeah. injury, 
And the funny thing is, is that like first round draft picks in two different in two different seasons, and Sam Darnold and Trey Lance could both lose their job to the Mister Irrelevant. Now they of they 20... did lose McGlinchey. McGlinchey signed elsewhere. Uh, they did sign Colton McKivitz. Actually, the 49ers have been really active. They have actually signed uh, uh, was it six? Actually, make it ten free agents in the free agency period. But they're losing people. Um, they brought in Jake Brendel. He's a center. Uh, Jawan uh, Jawan Jennings. He's been he wide receiver tenured. out of Tennessee. He's, stay, he's staying there. Yeah, they brought in yep. a cornerback Isaiah Oliver. Uh, Tabor Pepper. Uh, they brought in a long snapper. Ryan, can you believe that they actually signed a free agent long snapper? I, uh, I wow. Tayshawn Gibson signed there as well, one year, two point nine million dollars. But yeah, San Francisco. The big one is Javon Hargrave. That one's that one is a big deal. That is going to make that defensive line even better. Well, I mean, again, I think him with Cleveland Farrell, with Javon Kinlaw, with Nick Bosa, that could be the best defensive line in the NFL. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what happens there. Yep. Um, before we get to the the one that I, I said I wouldn't talk about until it happened, but it, it it has all but happened as of yet. Bill, who would you call who would you consider your biggest winner of free agency so far? Biggest winner of free honestly. <laughs> And we'll include trades too, because I, obviously you know, trades have taken. Place. I'm I'm gonna go with the I'm gonna go with the Panthers. I think yeah. they're the most intriguing team right now, especially sitting now with the number one pick. They haven't stopped. They've continued to sign players. They've got big time players that they've signed. Uh, let's not forget Andy Dalton signed there. I mean, I know yeah. he's not a great quarterback anymore, but he did play decently with the Saints. Um, Von Bell signed there, and like you said, Hayden Hurst is there now. Uh, and now bringing in Miles Sanders and the first round draft pick. I mean, that team gets a little bit scarier. The only issue is I feel like they gave away, obviously giving away some draft capital. What do you do for wide receivers in Carolina? You just, you just traded away DJ Moore, which is going to be whatever quarterback you brought in. That was going to be the best wide receiver. Now you don't have any, and they haven't signed anybody yet. Well, potentially Adam Thielen, because he's the first one that met. He's the, it was, that was the first team that he's met with. Okay. So what are you going to do going. for wide receivers? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Man, listen, he has Je Jefferson was blowing up up there and I forget who the second guy, the other guy Thielen has disappeared as of like a year and a half ago. Like he was the man a few seasons ago and just absolutely killing it up there in Minnesota. And with Jefferson's at, ascendance to greatness which everybody knows he's fantastic right now Thielen disappeared man so i don't know if that's that much probably not an upgrade over dj Moore. i i don't i don't love that at all gotta find somebody to have you know to to have whatever quarterback ends up playing there they have to throw the ball to somebody and they don't have anybody right now i'm not and no draft picks to get them there are some now we've got some free agents out there still. The Giants have a bunch of free and now granted the Giants didn't have great receivers last year, but they did have some decent receivers that are still out there in free agency. There Slayton's out there, uh, and uh, Richie James, he's out there as well. Uh well listen, uh the reason why Stefan Diggs is no longer in Minnesota is because Adam Thielen was taking away his target share. Um, but yeah, going going that direction, I mean they could go out and sign Kenny Galladay and see if they can sign him for a million dollars a catch. Obviously, <laughs> obvious sarcasm there. Um, listen, I'm right there you with you. You are so I, mean. You hate Kenny Galladay. I know why, but you hate Kenny Galladay. Yeah. Paris Campbell's available. I'm just looking at some wide receivers. Mecole Hardman is a free agent. I know that's not exciting. That's terrible. Yeah. There's also Maybe. a guy named Odell Beckham still living out there and rent-free in all of our heads. I'm glad like, that you mentioned uh, Odell Beckham because we're going to get there in a minute too. Um we uh, 
we talked about the Pan. I think we both agree the Panthers are so far the biggest winners in free agency. The number one overall pick. Most intriguing. It's very yeah. intriguing. Yeah, they're, they're making nice moves. I do like it. Uh, I'm going to start us off here with the worst, the team that got the worst in free agency. And honorable mention goes to the Bengals because they haven't done a lot. But I'm going to give it to the Philadelphia Eagles. I mean, you you, you get a Rashad Penny coming off a serious knee injury that, that took him out for all of last year, essentially. Um, you, you've given up Miles Sanders, who had his be- arguably his best season with you this past year. And now you've lost four starters on your defense that took you to the Super Bowl. Um, now they did just they travel. Uh, Jason Kelsey uh, decided to come back and he signed a one year contract with the Eagles. So at least you get Jason Kelsey for one more season. But while you see teams like the Cowboys and the Giants and even to a certain extent, like the, the Washington Commanders, they just signed uh, Jacoby Brissett, who, um, for all intents and purposes, what was the best quarterback for Cleveland last year. Uh, so if they don't have anything with Sam Howell, they've got a shot to go with Jacoby Brissett and see what he can do. Um, but nevertheless, I think while all the teams around them are getting better, Philadelphia is not making many moves. Um, if, you had to t- if you had to pick one, Bill, who was the worst team? after this week in free agency the new york jets man listen um i'm I'm glad you said jets because (laughs) i think you're i think you're gonna be wrong about that Um, why if anybody if anybody's listening to the show and they they haven't heard us mention this um if anybody's been listening last few weeks you knew i wasn't going to bring them up until it happened going to say that name shall not be named the Voldemort of tap outs and touchdowns. This is a perfect segue. This was a good segue. Yeah, it was a great segue. Uh, Aaron Rodgers was on the Pat McAfee show today, and he said that he has wanted to play with the New York Jets, but blames the, the Packers on dragging their feet to get the right compensation back for Aaron Rodgers, and Aaron Rodgers has made it clear. Um, he's, he, he's also spicy on that podcast today. He, he reported or he said himself that Adam Schefter got his phone number and he told him to lose his number. Nice try. Adam Schefter went on Twitter and uh, screenshot that text exchange uh, to, to back up what Aaron Rodgers said. Aaron Rodgers also took a shot at Diana Rossini for making the report that he had a wish list of players to go to the Jets with him that included guys like Aaron Jones, Alan Lazard, who did just sign with the Jets, and one Odell Beckham Jr., Diana Rossini went on NFL Live today uh, and actually said that, you know, I stand behind my reporting. I never said he had a demand list. I said he had a wish list. Uh, but whatever whatever the case may be, um, she stood behind her reporting, and he basically said, he being Aaron Rodgers, said that he essentially wished he could have told uh, Diana Rossini to lose his number as well. Um, but the ink isn't dry. The, the, the deal has not been made yet. But – it will be Aaron Rodgers quarterbacking for the New York Jets this year. Um, knowing that much, and more than likely, they're probably going to – I mean, I don't know why they would get Aaron Jones Jones, considering um, they've got a couple of really decent running backs in New York already. Um, but with the potential of signing Odell Beckham Jr., he said he wanted to go back to New York. I don't think he ever mentioned he wanted to go back to the Giants, but this one put him back in New York and New Jersey. Um, if – Hypothetically, Aaron Rodgers and Odell Beckham Jr. sign and potentially, let's go show ahead and say Aaron Jones, potentially sign with the New York Jets. Uh, do you still stand by your your statement that the Jets were the 
worst team coming out of free agency. I like Aaron Jones. I think he's a underrated, possibly underused running back last season because they yep. had uh, what Dylan there, uh, AJ Dylan as well. I think Aaron Jones, every time he gets the ball is explosive and scares me, especially when he's against my team, which they, he was at one point last season. I think that's a good signing, but Alan Lazard is garbage. Like that, oh, yeah. that's not special at all. Uh, and they really haven't done anything else. I mean, they, they got Chuck Clark in a trade. I don't even know who that is. And they signed a kicker. They they signed Greg the Leg. Good job. I mean, I'm pretty sure he was on the team anyway. So they've done nothing. Quincy Williams, linebacker, nothing. It's nothing. They've done nothing. And and now Aaron Rodgers is telling them who to sign. I, I saw a, a meme today, Ryan, that was fantastic. It said uh, all at one time, Aaron Rodgers is the quarterback of the Green Bay Packers, the general manager of the New York Jets, and the owner of the Chicago Bears. Incredible. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> Jeez. It's really good. And it, it gave me a chuckle, but it's just, no. I mean, what are the Jets doing? What are you doing right now? You you did it. You had a horrible draft pick with Zach Wilson. Everybody but the guy that drafted him knew that, I think. And now you're going to do that by bringing in a guy that maybe has two or three seasons left and then bringing all his friends who stunk last year? Like, that doesn't make any sense. Listen, I'm not going to disagree with you. I, I think Aaron Rodgers... Was... They just weren't... They didn't make the playoffs. Like, they weren't, they weren't amazing. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I listen. I Aaron Rodgers is a Hall of Fame quarterback. There's no, there's no getting around it. He's his his stats are what they are. He's got a Super Bowl championship to his resume. Um, but the end of his career, outside of sending a, a a flaccid picture to a reporter when he goes to New York, <laughs> um, he's. He's really, to me, hurt his legacy in a sense that he, and I've said it on the show before, he's a diva. Um, he wants the attention to be all on him. He's gonna, he's gonna thrive in the New York media, media, or he's gonna crumble underneath the New York media. Um, but you know, it, like you said, he's better than Zach Wilson. It's a, a two to three year rental at best. Um, I think uh, he he also made a comment that Jordan loves a great quarterback that. The Green Bay Packers have a great young team. I think that was him just sort of being uh, respectful in, uh, in optics because he doesn't want to hurt the fans who have been behind him for all these years in Green Bay. But I think we both know that Green Bay, without Aaron Rodgers, without Aaron Jones, uh, they're going to be awful next year. Um, and nothing makes me happier as a Lions fan. Um, but you never know. Maybe, maybe part of the compensation is that the Jets trade away Zach Wilson to the Packers and let, oh, let the let, let him become a Packers problem. Uh, so then he gets to compete with Jordan Love. And that's and probably the what they're trying to do. And that's why the trade isn't happening. Like, yeah. We don't want to scare all the women up here in Green Bay. Come, the older women, stop it. Like, well, leave him in New York. I've said it. I've said it multiple times on the show that I think he's going to the Jets. It's all but a done deal. The only thing they're waiting for is the Packers to quit um, trying to overvalue an aged Aaron Rodgers who now has character flaws, in my opinion, from a, a standpoint that um, he just, he just doesn't seem to, he, he says all the right things, but I truly don't believe he cares about the right things. So it'll be interesting to see. We've still got a lot, a lot of time left before the NFL draft. A lot more moves can happen, um, but a lot of really fun stuff. The NFL will look like a different league next year with all of these moves having happened. Bill, we got to take our first break. We come back. We're going to review XFL week four 
And then at the end of the show, we are going to predict XFL Week 5 because our picks for Week 4 turned out pretty well, and we're going to try to repeat that uh, pattern here at the end of the show. So, like I said, we're going to take our first break. When we come back, we're talking XFL Week 4. Stay tuned right here on Tap House and Touchdowns. This episode is brought to you by Carolina Business Equipment. With offices in Charleston, Greenville, Columbia, and Florence, Carolina Business Equipment can supply your copiers, computers, and printers anywhere in the state of South Carolina. Call my personal best friend, Aaron Thompson, at 843-452-8761 for a quote today, and make sure you tell him that Ryan from Tap House and Touchdown sent you. Carolina Business Equipment, you worry about your business, let us handle your technology. Established in 2008, One Stop Repairs in North Charleston, South Carolina is your one-stop shop for all of your electronic repair needs. Specializing in cell phones, tablets, computers, laptops, and game consoles, One Stop Repairs offers reputable and quality service with the quickest turnaround time and the most competitive prices in the low country. You can find them on Google with an exceptional 4.9 star rating or on Facebook by searching for One Stop Repairs. Call for a quote today at 843-343-6310. That's the number one, One Stop Repairs. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Hope you enjoyed this overly packed free agency talk here in the first part of the show. Your guy, Bully Rye and Banker Bill, here with you to talk XFL Week 4. And, um, Bill, there was a... I'm looking at the scores here. There wasn't a game that really stood out to me last weekend um, that that seemed competitive. I mean, the, the scores looked competitive in some of the games, but um, I guess oh, they were enjoyable that. to watch. We said that. They were still fun to watch, but we said that going into last week is going to be – if you were going to watch it for the first time last week, you were watching the wrong week because it was yep. going to be – It was it was a group of games – they were not going to be all that competitive, and and that's what we got. We we got a terrible game Saturday night, which we did not watch, Ryan. No, nope. we did pay attention to the score, and we could see at one point it was twenty six to sixteen, yes, but then it was all Houston from that point forward, and they end up winning and beating the Orlando horrible horrible Orlando Guardians, forty four to sixteen. Yeah, let's start off here. You mentioned it. The first game of the weekend took place yeah. in 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 Orlando, Florida. The final score, Houston 44, Orlando 16. Um, looking at just the quick stats here, total yards, it, it it was actually closer than it looks on the scoreboard. Houston That's what Orlando does. Yep, Houston 381 yards to Orlando 349. Uh, your rushing yards were similar, 95 for Houston, 82 for Orlando. Uh, the penalties, man, Houston had nine, but Orlando had 13 penalties in this game. Um, Bill. I've said it to a few a few people about about the Houston Roughnecks. I think they could have beaten the Texans last year, <laughs> um, but it also could that. be it also could just be the fact that the Orlando Guardians could have lost to the Georgia Bulldogs last year. Absolutely, one hundred percent. The Georgia Bulldogs would have beaten the Orlando Guardians this season. Absolutely. I mean, what was your what were you you sort of kind of alluded to? What was your takeaway from this uh, game? We didn't see it. We but we did watch. Like I said, we kind of watched the ticker as the game was going on. We we had things going on, and um, it, it's the same thing we see from Orlando every single week. 
I've talked about it week after week. They find ways to lose the game. They are too penalized. Terrible Buckley is a terrible coach right now. He does not have that team discipline. They, you know, led in penalties 13 to nine again, and they turned the ball over. And that's what they did again this week. Houston has zero turnovers. Orlando has two. When the game is 20, 26 to 16, turn the ball over. Houston scores off of it. That's how you lose football games. And Orlando does it week after week. Yeah, let's look at some of the key players for both these teams. Let's start off with the Houston Roughnecks. Uh, Brandon Silvers is making a play to be in a backup in the NFL next season. 24 of 30 in this game, 239 yards, three touchdowns. A big day for Brandon Silvers. Uh, if you look at his leading receiver, Travell Harris, out of Washington State, three catches for 83 yards. But he had a 59-yard touchdown catch. He caught two scores in this game. And then a guy that you've been mentioning for a few weeks, John Trey Kirkland, two catches, 49 yards, and a touchdown out of LSU. But he also got on the passing stats in this game. Yeah. One for one, a 49-yard passing touchdown for Jontre Kirkland as Houston got creative with the offense. If you look to the other side, DeAndre Francois did get to play in this game. And please stop it, doing that, Orlando. Please yeah. leave the man on the bench. Paxton Lynch had a good game. He put this guy in his train wreck. Yeah, it, Paxton Lynch is clearly the, the clear-cut number one in this offense. He went 18 of 30, 267 yards, two touchdowns. Uh, the leading receiver for the Guardians, Cody Latimer, former NFLer with the Denver Broncos, four catches, 57 yards, and another former NFLer, Charleston Rambo, had an 81-yard touchdown pass in this game, uh, but two catches, 89 yards. He was only able to muster one more catch. Uh, you mentioned the the game went, uh, the game was was all Houston uh, to start. They went up 26 to three. But was the, the lead was cut 26-10 to 10 at halftime. Orlando then cut it to 26-16 to 16 before Houston took over and scored the final 18 points of the game. Houston improves to 4-0, Orlando to 0-4. Uh, not really much more to say here. 44-16 to 16 are your winners for the Houston Roughnecks. And, uh, and now, once again, undefeated in the XFL. One of two remaining undefeated teams. And we will get to that very shortly. Uh, the next game that took place in Seattle... Uh, where the Seattle crowd is is trying to come and, and sort of, I don't know, will their teams to win. And and they did here. San Antonio Brahma's six, the Seattle Sea Dragons 15. Um, this game was a, was a snore fest until halftime. Uh, six, <laughs> the snore fest. This, this, the San Antonio led three nothing to start the game. It was tied six to six at the half. Um, the game was still close going into the fourth quarter. Seattle up nine to six. Uh, Morgan Ellison, uh, scores a touchdown with 3.53 left to play uh, to give Seattle the, the final score that they needed. San Antonio's total offense, uh, total offense minus their sack yards, 210 yards of total offense for San Antonio. They fall to 1-3. and three. Seattle improves to 2-2. Two and two. Uh, Bill, I don't know if you got to catch me in this game. What, what was your takeaways here from San Antonio and Seattle? I did watch this game. Uh, Seattle has a good offense and a decent defense. And I'm shocked that San Antonio won a game this. Oh, wait, they played Orlando. So they did win a game against <laughs> Orlando this season. So San Antonio's bad, man. They're not good. Yeah. And Seattle is one of the better teams in the XFL. I think they're on the way to the, uh, they're on their way to the playoffs. That is the most explosive offense in football. They didn't really show it points wise this week, but they did have 343 total yards. I think San Antonio has a pretty okay defense. They're just uh, their offense is bad. Jack Cohn has been bad. Yeah, and, and so I, I think Seattle, I'm actually looking forward to this week because of their matchup. And I, I think Seattle's a much better team than the uh, two and two record that they're showing. And I, we, we're starting to see the separation now, Ryan. I think you're seeing it here 
that San Antonio is on the bottom tier and Seattle is on the top tier, and we're going to go forward, and it's going to it's going to make the you know the second half of the season pretty exciting. Yeah, you mentioned total yards. Seattle three hundred and forty three. San Antonio uh, after sack yardage one hundred and ninety one total yards. Uh, the problem is they can't get the ball going on the run game. They combined for twenty one rushing yards in this game. Who's their running back again? I, I couldn't tell you. Oh, I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah, you know, twenty-one total rushing yards. It's hard to it's hard to say. Seattle they, did have eighty-one. You need a better running game. back, I think, right? I think so too. Let's go through the key <laughs> players here. Jack Cohn, you mentioned, just over fifty percent completions for one hundred and eighty-nine yards passing, twenty of thirty-nine. Uh, from Arkansas, Monticello, your leading receiver, Jalen Tolliver, six catches for thirty-four yards. You go to the explosive Sea Dragons offense. Brandon Nanucci had himself a day, twenty-eight of forty-one. 264 yards, that touchdown. He also had ben. an interception in this ben game. DiNucci. Ben Ben DiNucci. What did I say? Brandon DiNucci? Brandon, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. No yeah. worries. No worries. He's only the uh, first 1,000-yard passer in, this, in the uh, XFL this In season. the XFL, yeah. yeah I right. can't wait to get to that in, in the in the final segment of the show. That's exciting. Uh, we're going to look at some players to keep keep your eye on going forward. Uh, play, another player to keep your eye on going forward, Morgan Ellison, yes, the sir. XFL's leading rusher, 16 carries, for 69 yards and a touchdown, tack on two catches for 10 yards. He was good. His his yards per carry was good for 4.3 yards. Um, Morgan Ellison starting to stand out here uh, from the other running backs in the league. Um, if you look at their other other receivers to, to note, Jacor Pearson, uh, Ole Miss transfer from 2021, was your leading receiver in this game, eight catches for 76 yards. Uh, Josh Gordon, who's the guy that everybody's been kind of paying attention to, uh, sort of a quiet day, but a quiet day was still not that bad. 5.57. I'm sorry, five catches, 57 receiving yards. That's good for 10.7 fantasy points if you're a fantasy football player. Um, I actually put a defensive player to, to look out for this past week. Uh, Tazar Skipper out of Toledo had two sacks in this game for the Sea Dragons. Uh, so the Sea Dragons starting to try to come alive. Um, I, we'll talk about some of the lead, lead, league leaders from offensive categories here later yeah. in the show. Um, but Seattle's offense is, is explosive. Um, despite the fact that they, they're not putting a lot of points on the board. Uh, well, but once this, again, this week they're not, they, they've done it before, but this yeah. previous week they had a big week, but yeah, only 15 points this week, but still, I think it's, like I said, I think it's pretty good. San Antonio Brahma's defense. It's just the Brahma's offense is pathetic. Right? Is that a word we're allowed to use? I mean, can we call it pathetic? That's, that's just terrible. I mean, who's going to say anything to us? The head coach of the Brahmas? <laughs> yes. Score more. That's Heinz score Ward. More than... I do not want to start a fight with that guy. <laughs> hey, hey, Heinz, Heinz Ward. Score more than six points and we won't call your exactly. offense pathetic. Pathetic. I'm a, listen, in all honesty, I'm a huge Heinz Ward fan. Um, I didn't like you when you were at Georgia because I was a little kid and you were always beating my Gamecocks. Um, but I was, I, and I, I'm not a Steelers fan, but I love watching you grow up. But growing up, but like, come on, score more than six points. Okay. Yeah. Just, Otherwise, we're going to call your offense pathetic. We have pathetic. A, yeah. So, nevertheless, um, not a pathetic showing here uh, in the next game. Uh, St. Louis taking on Arlington. Uh, the not pathetic crowd that St. Oh. Louis put out there. Over 30,000 fans what, what, showed what? up. 38,000. Yeah. I was going to let you give us the exact number. 38. But, uh, it was like 38,400. It was insane. And it was loud. It was unbelievably cool. St. Louis is saying that they deserve a pro football team, sort of a, an FU to the St. Louis Rams, who have moved back to Los Angeles a few years ago. Um, and it it helped their cause. St. Louis gets a win, twenty four to eleven, back on the winning uh, back on the winning path after a, they dropped their first game last week. Um, 
Listen, St. Louis never trailed in this game. They shut out Arlington in the first quarter and the third quarter while their offense scored in every quarter. Um, Arlington drops to two and two. St. Louis improves to three and one. Uh, Bill, what do you have to say about the St. Louis Arlington game? Where did Drew Plitt go? Where did Drew Plitt go? Come on now. Kyle Sloter was terrible in this game. He threw three interceptions. It was just not good. I know he's Mr. All USFL from last season, but for some reason they've put him in as the starting quarterback. Plitt never showed up. And Slaughter was bad. And that was pretty much the reason that they lost the game. Three interceptions, terrible. And I, I have one issue with St. Louis Battlehawks. Now, they did have a great fan base, and it was fantastic. But A.J. McCarron has got to put away the interceptions. Yeah, That seems to be the difference. I mean, they didn't lose because Slaughter was just really, really bad this week. But last week against D.C., uh, when they played D.C., they lost because he threw two picks. That was the difference in that game. And again, in this game, throws two touchdowns, but does have the one interception. And that's going to become a problem. He's got to figure out how to stop. If they're going to if they're gonna win, and we thought they were one of the best teams in football until they lost D.C., or maybe the best team in the game until they lost D.C., lost to D.C. But I think A.J. McCarron making mistakes is going to hurt this Battlehawks team in the end if he doesn't figure that out. Other than that, this is a pretty good roster. Brian Hill, running back, stud. He's fun to watch. Yeah, he believe it or not, I, for some reason I forgot. I knew his name sounded familiar. He's a former Falcons running back. Uh, okay. I believe he I believe he played behind Devont not Devontae Freeman. There was another there was another solid running back they had a few years ago, and Brian Hill played behind him. Um, he is out of the University of Wyoming. You mentioned let's let's talk, let's go ahead and get into key players. Let's start with the Battle Hawks since we're already here. He carried the ball 18 times for 89 yards. That's almost five yards of carry, 4.9 yards of carry. He had a touchdown. He also attacked on two receptions. For 26 yards. Um, we'll get to it in a minute. The, ru- the running game is what's, I honestly think, um, helping teams win because teams who, who win the rushing battle seem to win, winning in the XFL. Yeah. Um, you look at AJ McCarron's stats 20 of 27. He was efficient, uh, but at the same time, when he's not efficient, when he's not good, he's not good. 214 passing yards. He did have two touchdowns in this game. Hakeem Butler is going to be on an NFL roster this coming season. Another big day, five catches, 52 yards, and a score. That is a big dude. I said it when I first Steve saw him. Butler is a big dude. He's massive. And the fact yeah. that he's a wide receiver, he could probably play tight end. He's a big dude. Um, we, we, I want to keep focusing on him every week because of, of who he is. Austin Prohl, four catches, 26 yards. A guy that I was not paying attention to prior to this game, Darius Shepard is your leading receiver for the Battlehawks this week. Eight catches, 91 yards, and a touchdown. He is from North Dakota State. He is a three-time FCS champion. He won the national championship game, most outstanding player back in 2019. Uh, he, I don't think we did a, a, a spotlight on him in the in the in our primer episode. He was an undrafted free agent for Green Bay back in 2019. He also spent time with Kansas City, Arizona, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, and Denver in the NFL. Uh, if you look over, there's not much to say about the Renegades offense here. You mentioned Kyle Slaughter got the second start in this game. 23 of 39, 205 yards, no touchdowns, three interceptions. He also had 11 rushing yards in this game. Their leading receiver, four catches, 45 yards out of USC, was Tyler Vaughns, who is, I believe, uh, a stepped up and, and become the number one receiver in this offense. Uh, but when you look at total yards, uh, it, it was, wasn't close. Arlington, 240 to St. Louis, uh, 324. Uh, the penalty penalty margin was once again won by St. Louis, four to six, and then your rushing yards. St. Louis had 110, Arlington had 49. Um, it, so far, two teams who have been beaten handedly in the running game 
have both won their games in week four. Uh, so I think it's something to keep your eye on. If, if you've got a team that has figured out the running game in the XFL, it seems like they're they're more primed to win in the league. Um, so once again, uh, St. Louis improves to three and one, Arlington to two and two. Um, a big game for, for St. Louis this week. We'll get into it in the final segment of the show. Uh, but for now, we've got one more game to get to. Um, we get to see the the beer snakes again, but the weather was not pretty <laughs> in bad. Washington. So not not as many people showed up for this game, but the beer snake did show up. The DC Defenders hosted the Vegas Vipers, and they get the win 32 to 18. Um Brett Hundley got benched in this game for Vegas. Um, although he went four for five for 50 yards, but Perez got the bulk of the of the play for Vegas here. They we've been talking well. about yeah, we've been talking about it um the last couple of weeks. Um is Vegas Vegas has to be better than their 0-4 record goes shows, correct? Well, they're better than Orlando. But as I mean, Bill Parcell says, you are what your record says you are. I mean, they're 0-4. They've lost to every team in the league, well, that they've well, that they played. You know, and, and they've just not been good. This was their best offensive showing, I think, against a good D.C. defender's defense. But it was in the fourth quarter, basically garbage time, when yeah. they finally put some points on the board. I, it just it, it's disjointed, man. And I don't know if that's coaching. I mean, Rod Woodson is the Vegas Vipers coach, and that is – Hall of Famer Rod Woodson. I just not it, they don't look good. The, the offensive again, I think it's offensive line play. I think that San Antonio and Vegas have the exact same problem. I think their offenses kind of stink. I, I just think their offensive lines kind of stink. I think yeah. they have issues there. They're not really getting the run game going. They did a little bit more. Vegas did against DC, but it just it looks bad. It's they just don't. Uh, there's no offensive continuity. They just don't execute on offense. And I think that's where they lose it. And then the other team just puts them away slowly. That's what happened with DC. Well, what's funny, you mentioned total yards uh, or, or not being able to muster an offense. Again, it stems from the running game. When you look at total yards, Vegas outgained DC 394 to 383. It was in garbage time, though. It really was. Yeah. Like, it, but the fourth quarter, it was the game was pretty much over in Vegas. All of a sudden, uh, Perez was throwing the ball over the yard, all over the field. Well, if you look at the running yards, Vegas mustered 71. DC had 173 on the ground. Um, just absolutely got the running game going here. Not to mention, you had uh, Jordan Taamu and De'Eric King getting some running game, running yards. We'll get to that in a second. Um, Vegas also led in penalties 11-6 to 6 here. Um, let's look at some key players from the game. Let's start with Vegas. Luis Perez, again, played more after Brett Hundley got benched. 23-32, 283 yards. He had two touchdowns. He did have an interception where a wide receiver fell and just played – the, the defensive back was able to play catch because there was no wide receiver uh, going for the ball. Yeah. Um, again, Brett Hundley was benched. Uh, you look at your your leading running back here, John Lovett out of Penn State, not the actor, but the running back. John Lovett, seven carries, 39 yards, uh, two, 22 yards receiving on two catches. Um, Jeff Bidette is a guy that keeps getting his name called for a good reason. Seven catches for 80 yards. A guy that I had not heard of um, scored two touchdowns for the Vipers in this game. I believe it's Sink Sweeting. Sink K Sweeting. Sink K Sweeting. Yeah, we talked about it. We talked about it in our primer show. Uh, three catches, 65 yards, two touchdowns. Played at Slippery Rock. 
Um, an, another guy that I want to keep bringing up because he's just he's not having the year that I expected him to. Um, and as a former NFLer, a speedy NFLer, I really thought he was going to be able to step up. Three catches for 43 yards for former Clemson Tiger Martavis Bryant here for the Vipers. I will say that Vipers quarterback play in the end towards the end of this game helped win my fantasy league. I'm not three and one in XFL fantasy. Is plug in that plug that in there. If you, you look go. over the other, if you look over the other side of the ball, Jordan to Amu for the defenders, 14 of 19 for 177 yards. He also had two nine carries for 89 yards, along with a 49 yard rush in this game. Uh, but DC has started to maybe go like a college system where they play two quarterbacks. As Eric King comes in, two for two for 38 yards with a touchdown. Um, he also had two rushing touchdowns, but only had eight yards rushing. Um, the number one pick in the XFL draft, Abram Smith. Uh, led the team in rushing 58 yards on 22 carries. It's not a great average, 2.6 yards per carry. Um, Lucky Jackson and Chris Blair were your best receivers in this game. Chris Blair, four catches, 84 yards. He had a 38-yard catch in this game out of Alcorn State. Lucky Jackson, four catches, 65 yards. Um, you mentioned it was it was close late. Vegas finally started clicking, scoring 12 points in the fourth quarter, um, but they trailed start to finish. D.C., Again, they've gone to a quarterback, a college-style two-quarterback system. The game was 20-12 to 12 in the fourth quarter. Vegas did have a chance but couldn't put it together as D.C. would pull away. Vegas falls to 0-4. D.C. improves to 4-0. So there are two teams in the XFL that do not have a win. There are two teams in the XFL that are undefeated. Bill, we're going to take our final break. When we come back, we are going to talk about some league leaders in the XFL some guys that you need to watch out for the next few weeks of the season. And we are going to pick XFL week five. So stay tuned. We'll be right back to finish up the show with XFL predictions coming up next right here on Tap Outs and Touchdowns. This episode is brought to you by Carolina Business Equipment. With offices in Charleston, Greenville, Columbia, and Florence, Carolina Business Equipment can supply your copiers, computers, and printers anywhere in the state of South Carolina. Call my personal best friend, Aaron Thompson, at 843-452-8761 for a quote today. And make sure you tell him that Ryan from Tap House and Touchdown sent you. Carolina Business Equipment, you worry about your business, let us handle your technology. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. It has been jam-packed. With lots of news and notes and recapping over what's happened over the last week in all of football. And we are going to go and predict the XFL Week 5 here on the show. Your guy, Billy Rye, Baker Bill here with you. Uh, Bill, if I had to, if I had to make you guess, and I, I'm not going to have to do it because you already know the answer. So it sort of takes away the fun of it. <laughs> If I okay. had to give you a guess as to who the league leader was in passing for this for this season so far in the XFL, is there a name that would that would stick out to you? I mean, AJ McCarron. You would I mean, think it would be. AJ I would think it, yes, AJ McCarron. That would be who I would have thought would have been leading the league in passing. He was good in the NFL, and yeah. how is he doing now? Pretty well, pretty well. But uh, no, he's not the league leader. I know that. Let's go through the league leaders on offense here for the XFL this season. Let's start with passing, and that goes to quarterback Ben DiNucci. I got it right yes. that time. 
That's right. Uh, you mentioned it earlier in the show. He's the first quarterback to throw over 1,000 yards in the XFL this season, 1,119 yards. Uh, your leading running back, and I, I've already mentioned to, him, mentioned to him in the last segment too, Morgan Ellison, 239 yards rushing so far in the XFL. Uh, Bill, if you had to make a guess, and I, I'm just I'm going to throw it. I'm, I'm trying to think of how to how to pose this question to you. If you had to guess of the top five running rushing leaders in the XFL, yes. How many running backs do you think would would wind up in that list? Five. So of the five top rushers in the XFL, you think all five are running backs? It would be four to four minimum of four, but I would normally think yeah, I would say five. The number three the number three rusher in the XFL is none other than Jordan Taamu, the quarterback, the quarterback from the DC Defenders. 188 rushing yards so far this season. He's killing it. Um, yeah, man. I'm, I'm, you wonder if it's, you know, it's not sustainable in the, in the NFL. So you got to wonder if it's going to be sustainable in the XFL. You'll go to the receiving. We'll, we'll go through this real quick. Your leading XFL receiver, Jacor Pearson. Uh, if you're if you're keeping track, I believe that's all Seattle Sea Dragon players. Yes. Lead the league in, in passing Rushing and receiving, Jacob Pearson, 348 yards. Your number two wide receiver in the XFL, Josh Gordon, 282 yards receiving. Um, well, hang on a second. You want another fun stat? Josh Gordon also on the Seattle Sea Dragons. So they have the two top receivers in yards. By the way, Ryan, the guy that has caught the, caught the most balls in the most balls, just catches in the XFL, is also Jacob Pearson. But the guy that's second in receptions is the other wide receiver in Seattle, Blake Jackson. He's got 23 catches. So they have yards and they have receptions locked up in one and two. It's unbelievable. Seattle's it's got an yeah. offense, man. It's fun to watch. Yeah, they they're gonna have to shore up that defense, and Seattle could compete for that uh, for the XFL championship game this season. Yeah. Um, real quick, I'm gonna go through some defensive score, uh, defensive stats. Um, number one scoring defense in the XFL up to this point this season through four games, the Houston Roughnecks have allowed only 55 points. Uh, you want to take a guess who's in, who's in last place? The Orlando Guardians. 117 points allowed so far for the Atlanta Guardians. Yeah. The number one, the number one rushing team in the, or I'm sorry, the number one rushing defense in the XFL goes to the DC Defenders, 67.2 yards per game. Do you want to take a guess as who's giving up the most rushing yards per game in the XFL? The Orlando Guardians. No. Okay. The, uh, <laughs> Sorry. The other the other 0 and 4 team, the Vegas Vipers, are allowing okay. 150 rushing yards per game. If you go to passing, although you've got the leading passer uh, in Ben Danucci, the number one passing defense in the league goes to the Houston Roughnecks. So they are also they have the number one scoring Ooh. defense and the number one passing defense in the league. Okay, allowing 162 yards per game. This might surprise you. Do you want to take a guess as who's in last place in passing defense in the XFL? I'm actually going to think that it's probably the Sea Dragons. It's the other 4-0 team. The D.C. Defenders are allowing 200... Passing defense? 230 yards passing per game. Wow. Uh, and that is that is dead last in the XFL. Uh, finally, total yards per game. 
uh, the number one defense in the league, also goes to the Houston Roughnecks. They are number one, the number one defense in the XFL in scoring, passing, and total yards, allowing 237.5 total yards per game. I'm going to give you one more, one more shot here. Who do you think the last place team is in regards to total yards per game in the XFL? Is this defense? Yeah, total defense. Uh, I'm going to say Vegas. Vegas is the worst team. That's a good guess. That is the Las yes. Vegas Vipers. What do I win? Uh, you win the opportunity to try to beat me in picks this okay, week. Okay, perfect. Vegas, <laughs> Vegas is allowing 366.8 total yards per game. Um, and and there we are. I gave, I've got my power rankings that there aren't going to be much different than most teams. Uh, when you look at the standings here, Houston will sit at 4-0. I get them my number one spot. I've got D.C. at number two at 4-0. Um, St. Louis, I've got at my rankings at 3-1, and obviously, because they're the only 3-1 team behind the 4-0 others. Uh, I've got Seattle as the best 2-2 two two team down here, rounding up the top four at 2-2. Two two. Arlington comes just underneath them, also at 2-2 two two at the sixth spot. San Antonio rounds out the top six at 1-3. and three. And then I've got Vegas over Orlando for 7-8 and eight as far as your uh, your final team's uh, in the standings in the XFL this season. And what's fun about it, and, and I don't want to go out of order here, um, but we get some of these teams playing each other this week. Yes, they do. Uh, so I, here's what's frustrating is that the games are all in really, really wicked, awful times for us East Coasters. The first game this week. Not if you uh, like to stay up late, Ryan. Not if you like to stay up late, but if you got to yeah. be up at five in the morning like one of us do. Yeah. Um, it's not great. I should mention last week in, last week's picks, both Baker Bill and I agreed on all of our picks, and we both went four and zero. So we have improved. Both of us now have winning records. Bill sits at ten and six on the season. I sit at twelve and four, which brings us to the Thursday night football game, a ten thirty p.m. Eastern now, I, kickoff. I sat and thought about this, Ryan. What, now there's something else going on. Why would what would they be avoiding this weekend possibly with their time slots? There's something Is else it, in sports world going on. Is it the World Baseball Classic that they're trying to compete with? That's a very good guess, but there's something else that starts this weekend. The match kind of already started. Uh, close again. What what month are we in? We're in March. Oh, the NCAA tournament starts tomorrow. I'm an idiot. That's right. The NCAA, that the internet, makes sense. Ryan. Yeah. <laughs> God dang it. That's that's yeah. That's the motto so for the show. I think the I think that they are trying to avoid that. I think honestly, when I started and I sat down and thought about it, I go, man, these these times are really weird, and I, I think that's what you've got going on. That's entirely fair, and it's it's also weird to have a Thursday night game on the first day of the NCAA tournament. But but here we are, a ten thirty kickoff on Thursday, Eastern, Seattle, ten thirty Eastern, ten thirty Eastern time. Crazy. The Seattle Sea Dragons hosting the Forno Houston Roughnecks. Bill, do we see Houston taking their first lock loss this week? Yes. Yes, you, you're you're going to I'm take going Seattle. With the sea Dragons. Yes, I am. Yeah, listen, um, it's the number one defense in the XFL versus, for all intents and purposes, uh, the number one offense from from a standpoint of um, you've got your leading passer, leading rusher, leading receiver. Um, I'm going to take defense over offense, man. I'm sticking with my Houston Roughnecks, and I'm taking them to win this game over Seattle on the road. A late night game, but it won't be as late for them because the time difference isn't that much different from Correct. Houston to Seattle. So, uh, yeah, if you want to stay up late or if you live on the West Coast, 
feel free to uh, to watch this game. I'm, I might DVR it so that I can watch it the next day. But I definitely want to see this game. one. That's that's one I will be recording. I, I will watch probably the first hour of it, which will probably get me close because of the the clock rules in the XFL. I think it, I will get me through the first half. So I think I'll be able to I watch agree. the first half live. I, I think it'll be interesting. I'll definitely check the score first thing in the morning when I wake up. Well, Bill and I have have done something we haven't done before, and we've disagreed on the yes. first game that we picked this week. Uh, next up, you have a seven o'clock game on Saturday, the this most reasonably awesome. timed game. This will be the, I think, the best game of the weekend. Um, the DC Defenders traveling to St. Louis, the two best crowds in the XFL uh, in Washington D.C. and St. Louis. Um, I don't know if DC is going to travel. But uh, St. Louis should have a very rowdy crowd here at 7 o'clock on a Saturday night. St. Louis 3-1, D.C. 4-0. Since you picked first on the last one, I will pick this one. And although I like D.C., um, they are dead last in passing. Uh, I think McCarron's going to keep this ball rolling. And I've got St. Louis handing D.C. their first loss of the season. Bill, who you got? D.C. or St. Louis? I think the Dome's going crazy. You forgot another reason to watch this one, Ryan. Not only is it the best crowd in, in the XFL, they had 30, 30, over 38,000 people there last week, and it was loud, and it was fun, and it was football the way it should be. But these two teams got in a brawl last time they played. That's right. Which, which yep. led to the suspension of three players in the XFL, which is crazy because this is how serious these guys are taking it they're coming back together a couple weeks later now they're in st louis with that crowd and i'm gonna agree with you ryan i think i think st louis hands dc their first loss i think we come out of this week in my opinion with no undefeated teams well, that's a that's a bold statement and uh, i actually have that brawl in, in my notes that i just forgot to bring up so shame on me um we will have so to your to your predictions we will have no longer uh, any undefeated teams in the That's XFL. Right. That's right. It's going to be two really after, fun games. After this weekend, there will only be one winless team in the XFL. Uh, the 10 o'clock game on Saturday night fe fe features the two worst teams in the XFL as the Orlando Guardians travel out west to take on the Vegas Vipers. 10 o'clock Saturday night. Um, Bill, can Orlando move the ball and get their first win against the Vegas defense? ranked last in rushing in total yards. This is just bad versus bad. And hopefully Terrell Buckley removes his head from his hind end and stops putting in DeAndre Francois. I don't know what DeAndre has on Terrell Buckley. <laughs> yes, I do. Yes, I do. They both went to Florida State. There it is. There it there is. It is. Hopefully Francois sits on the bench for the entire game and Paxton Lynch gets to play because Vegas isn't a very good team. And they could actually get a win this week if he wants to win. But he's from Florida State, so maybe he doesn't. So, so uh, give me Orlando. Yeah, we're going to disagree again here. This is your opportunity to make up two games. If you go 4-0 this week, or at least uh, at least after this, after this game, uh, you can be tied with me in the standings because I'm taking Vegas, man. I, I rode with Vegas before the preseason started. I said that Vegas was going to be your number one team in the XFL. Yeah. They have done nothing but let me down. I think they finally got it clicking at the end of last week, and I think they let that roll over, and they get their first win at home against Orlando this week. Give me the Vegas Vipers here on Saturday night. Good. Uh, last but not least, your Sunday night game, a 9 p.m. Eastern time kickoff. 
the Arlington Renegades taking on the San Antonio Brahmas, uh, two and two versus one and three. Bill, you gave uh, you, you gave me the, your first pick last. Um, I'm gonna take. Give me San Antonio, man. I think they've got a decent defense. They're they're one step away from having a decent offense if they can get uh, their quarterback situation in the right direction. Uh, I like San Antonio going forward to at least be competitive, uh, considering they have a decent defense. Uh, Bill, who are you taking? Arlington, San Antonio, a matchup of two Texas teams. I think this game is going to be more fun than we're giving it credit for. This is going to be in the Alamo Dome. So that's pretty cool, right? That's a cool stadium. But San Antonio can't do anything with their offense. So give me Arlington. I think Arlington, please put Drew Plitt back in the game. Get Kyle Slaughter out of there. I don't know what Plitt's doing. I don't maybe maybe you sold the playbook or something. I don't know, but uh, I mean, hey, who knows? Who knows what may, happens? Maybe so, yeah. maybe he quietly got drafted into the USFL and left. Right. Him. Yeah. So uh, hopefully, I think Arlington's a better team. I, I think they end up getting a, a win over San Antonio. I love the fact that we disagreed on three of the four games this week. That makes me happy because uh, I'm just trying when, to gain ground. That's all. I'm just, listen, I'm kind of going to get screened a little bit. When next week comes and I'm sixteen and four. And you're eleven and nine. I'm going to be really, <laughs> really happy with myself. Uh, yeah. Bill, we have gone long, but there's one more thing. There's one last thing that I want I want to uh, to present to the audience before we go for the day. Um, Bill, there's something special coming up that this show is sponsoring. That's right. And I was wondering. I was wondering if you'd go ahead and talk about it to close out the show. Well, we are as uh, we are sponsoring a it's an online iRacing race coming up this Monday and Tuesday. So it's two nights in a row. It's it's called the uh, Tapouts and Touchdowns Clash uh, in the Zone Racing, the league that I admin and announce for on uh, broadcast on Monday and Tuesday nights. We uh, we sponsored that race, so we're gonna have uh, probably over a hundred different drivers, Ryan, that are gonna be involved in the race and and a bunch of people watching on the broadcast. Uh, you know, we get you know, I don't know how many. It's, it's quite a few. Um, but, uh, yeah, we're gonna have that on Monday night. It's gonna be really cool. And it should be around, I believe 9 PM Eastern time, both Monday and Tuesday. Uh, and you can go check that out over on in the zone racing's Facebook page or in the zone racing.com. There's a watch live button in the top left corner. It'll be live there as well. Yeah, definitely. Te- definitely tune in. I will be sharing that on the tab and touchdowns, Facebook page. I'll also be sharing it on, I'll, I'll copy a link and share it on the Twitter page as well at tab and TDs on Twitter. Um, so make sure you check that out. It's uh it's, it's sort of a big deal. If you're not, if you're not familiar with the iRacing uh, genre, um, it's pretty cool. A lot of guys have like racing simulators that, right. uh, you know, similar setups. If you've ever seen one in the mall um, where, you know, they've got their, their, their racing seats uh, placed out. They've got uh, multiple screens like, like Baker Bill has um, with a, with an actual steering wheel and, 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 and all, all right. sorts of stuff. It's a really cool, uh, really unique um, uh, change of pace, and with with all the esports that are out here now, I mean, you've got you've got these EMAD leagues, you've got um, these these Call of Duty leagues and stuff like that out here. Um, iRacing is no different. There are some, if I'm not mistaken, Bill, there are some actual like real race car drivers that will do some iRacing from time to time. Is that correct? Hundred percent. We actually have a few professionals that run in our league that they run all over the country. So uh, one of them is the actual led uh, Canadian Legends Car Champion. Uh, national champion up in Canada. So quite a few famous and, you know, semi-famous drivers that are actually running and they'll be running Monday and Tuesday night. If you're a fan of uh, local short track racing, you'll probably recognize some of the names. So 
it's pretty cool, man. It's gonna we have our own logos and everything. Our logo guy did, did some logos for us. I, I shared those with you earlier in the week, and uh, it's gonna be pretty fun. I think uh, we're gonna have a good time on Monday and Tuesday nights. Do some a little bit different, and it'll be some. If you're into racing or anything like that, you'll be able to see what that looks like on the simulation side, on the computer side. Yeah, it's gonna be really cool stuff. Like I said, we'll be sharing it on over across social media. Check in uh, in the zone racing. Uh, on Monday and Tuesday night for their tap out and touchdowns clash. Bill, this has been fantastic. I have enjoyed every second talking all football, uh, considering we went an extra 15 minutes or so this week. Right. Uh, so appreciate y'all sticking around for another another longer show. Uh, next week, I promise, whether it's brand new or whether it's a throwback show, you, we will have one more wrestling show of, of tap outs and touchdowns because we are less than three weeks away from WrestleMania, which means that PJ and I need to get back to work for some wrestling shows. So stay tuned next week for the tap, uh, for the for the wrestling show. Um, and then we'll probably be, be recapping the, the race on, on Bill's channel um, and, and Bill's league next week uh, when we go back and talk uh, some more NFL offseason news and recapping XFL Week 5, um, where I get to show everybody that I went 4-0 and Bill went 1-3. Wait, wait, I want to point out that you're picking the number one team in the league and all the home teams. Like that's not even fun. Like, what was I, mean, I supposed to do? You, you pick the best team in the league, and then every other home team. Listen, in, you, in you, you could have just picked the winners. You know what I'm saying? You could have just done oh, like me and picked the winners. Oh, I folks, see what you did there. Thanks for staying with us so long today. Uh, come back next week for some more awesome, awesome podcasts uh, for Baker Bill. It's your guy, Bully Rod, for Tap House and Touchdowns, and I'll be around.